Let's get into the word right now. Again, we're picking it up in verse 10 tonight. And remember, we're here at the Olivet Discourse. This is Passion Week. Jesus is uh, going to be going to the cross to die for our sins, to fulfill prophecy in his death and resurrection. And remember, he has rebuked the Pharisees uh, for their outward religion, and yet inward, they're like dead man bones. There in Matthew 23, it's a long chapter of a rebuke. And then we saw in uh, the Gospel of Luke, I believe it is, where Jesus then, you know, it rebukes them more and how they love to give gifts and get attention. And he talks about the widow giving more than all of them, you know, in her two mites because she gave out of her necessity and so forth. And then remember, they're coming outside of the temple and the disciples don't know what to do with this. I mean, Jesus is just rebuking the religious men of the day and putting them in check. And they say, but Lord, look at all these buildings. You know, it must not be that bad because they built these buildings and it's been built with these offerings. And remember Jesus said, not one stone on top of the other will remain here. And Jesus was prophesying what would happen in 70 AD when Nero would, you know, it'd be persecuting the Jews and the temple would get burned down and the gold would go between the stones. And then later on, the uh, Roman soldiers would take stone after stone down to get all that gold that was plated there on the walls that went down through the cracks, just as Jesus said. And I think, and I've touched on that several times because, again, what comes next, because the disciples associated the destruction of the temple with the end of the age, and indeed there will be another temple that will be destroyed during the tribulation or at the end of the tribulation. So they were writing that in a way, but from there the Lord's saying that, it emboldened them to ask this question that's so valuable to us tonight. They asked him, tell us when these things will be and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age. And then the Lord, again, takes two chapters to talk about the end of the age. Right now we're in the part where it seems Jesus is talking about the things leading up to the tribulation, leading up to the rapture of the church that 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 1 Corinthians 15 talk about. Jesus talks about this in other places there in the scriptures. And we've seen already there in verse 4, he said, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. And we took a whole Bible study to talk about that. We'll touch more on deception because that comes up tonight as well as we continue in this. In fact, we talked about Jesus saying, uh, take heed that you're not deceived more than anything else. So the Lord is saying in the last days leading up to the end of the age and his coming, there's going to be a lot of deception, a lot of deception in the world, a lot of deception even in the church, in religion, in Christianum. And so we talked about the importance of testing everything by the word of God. Remember when Paul showed up there to Berea, they were considered more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica. Why? Because they tested everything Paul said by the word of truth. Remember, Paul came teaching the Old Testament and showing how Jesus had fulfilled the Old Testament prophecies. So they said, we're going to check this guy out. And Paul never, you know, said, hey, you know what, how dare you question me? He encouraged them in that. Yeah, test what I'm saying by the word of God. And listen, every, every pastor should do that. Every church should do that. Test what we're saying by the Word of God. The Word of God, the Holy Bible, is our litmus test. And we need to be doing that so much today in the midst of, again, much deception. The Bible talks about this in many places, a lot of apostasy, a lot of false teachers, a lot of false prophets. 
And so, again, we see that going on so much today. And then in verse 6, he said, you'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, and the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And indeed, we're living in a day where there are many wars being fought around the world. Every day, there's another rumor of another war. I mean, it's just a non-stop uh, cycle of rumors and then actual wars breaking out. We saw there where it says uh, nation versus nation. In the Greek, it's the word ethnos, and it's talking about people groups. It's not just talking here about countries going at war with one another and kingdom against, or nation against nation, but it's talking about people groups. And we've talked about, you know, the state of our country right here where there's a lot of people that believe that we are in the midst of a cold civil war. And there's a lot of folks as well that think we may come to a place where there is a actual civil war in our nation of ideologies and so forth because there seems just to be such a split between the right and the left that's getting deeper and deeper. And listen, we're praying that's not the case. We're praying for a revival, amen. We're praying people will turn to the right option, the Lord Jesus Christ, that will humble ourselves as a people. And listen, that starts with us. That starts with the followers of Jesus Christ. Us not walking around with a self-righteousness, but us walking with a cloak of humility. Us recognizing that we are just sinners, only saved by grace, only saved through putting our faith in Jesus Christ and recognizing he's atoned for our sins and then interceding for our country, praying for our neighbor, praying for the people that don't agree with you. You know, and instead of just being so charged up, it's easy to get charged up, right? It's easy, it's, you, know, you know, we talk about, you know, certain people get triggered. Sometimes Christians get triggered. Make sure that when you get triggered, listen, the Bible says angry, be angry, but do not sin. Go to your knees, love your neighbor, understand people that don't know the Lord, guess what? They act like people who don't know the Lord. They act like we acted before we knew the Lord. We need to be praying, and we need to be praying for our country more than ever. Absolutely praying for those in civil leadership and politicians. Listen, not only the ones you like, the ones you don't like. Let's be lifting them up to the Lord. We're instructed to do that. I want to see a revival in our country. I want to see a revival in California. I want to see that in our community here. And so we got to be preaching Christ crucified and raised from the dead. The gospel message as described there in 1 Corinthians 15. Christ was crucified or died according to the scriptures. He was buried and he rose from the grave according to the scriptures. Listen, that's the gospel message. And if we believe in him, the Bible says we won't perish but have everlasting life. The emphasis is all upon the person of Jesus Christ. And then the Lord said as well, there will be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in various places. These are the beginnings of sorrows. And we see these things on the crease as well. Just the other night, there was another big earthquake in Alaska. We read that article or that headline a few weeks back where there's a great increase right now of earthquakes on the California and Mexican border. Uh, and, and, you know, it talks about earthquakes in the Gospel of Luke in diverse places, which means, you know, even in strange places. And we see earthquakes right now in the world in places that really have never experienced them before or, listen, they rarely experiencing them, experience them and they're, they're, they're getting quite a few of them. And again, famines and pestilence. We talked about the locust invasion right now. They're in Africa and India and so forth. And you know what? Even in the midst of the COVID thing, we haven't fallen into a famine as a country, but we've seen some food shortages for the first time in a long time, 
and there's a lot of, you know, it's speculations and different reports out there that it wouldn't take a whole lot for the whole, you know, food chain to kind of break down in the sense of the production of it and the bringing it to the store. And how many of us, you know, in this country actually grow our own food and, you know, raise our own cattle? Some of you guys do, but a whole lot of people don't. And if all of a sudden you went down to the store and those shelves are empty, you know what, we would get hungry really quick. And we want to be practically practical with those sayings. We want to be wise with those sayings, use the Proverbs. But we don't put our trust in our pantries. We put our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then in verse 8, and we'll get down here to verse 10 in a second, he says, these are the beginnings of sorrows. And this is key in all of this. The beginning of sorrow. Sorrows there is birth pains. And we've talked about this many times now in our study here on Wednesday night over the last several weeks. Uh, birth pains, and, and you know what, I, I, I have an experience, but I've been in the room during them for four children's, and we know when that child's getting ready to go, and aren't you, you know, God's so awesome in how he does things, uh, when, when, when those birth, pain, birth pains come, I know with my wife and most women I've talked to, they're like, I'm ready to get this kid out, you know, it's time, and it's almost like they're ready to embrace that to get that child out of there, and those birth pains those contractions start hitting, and they then start hitting closer and closer and more and more intense. But praise God, finally what happens, that child is born. And the scripture talks about how then the woman forgets those birth pains. Though my wife said, it took a long time to forget those birth pains. And they rejoice, you know, in this baby that's been birthed. And we're in a time right now where we see these things happening on a more regular basis quicker and quicker and quicker and more and more intense these and these other things we're going to read about we see it happening it's almost like from wednesday to wednesday and sunday to sunday these things are heating up more and more and more and then last week we looked at verse 9 then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you and you'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake and we saw and we looked at you know at the documentation of christian persecution on a great rise around the world we see an increased spirit of antichrist here in our own nation and so forth. And we've talked about this, that, listen, we're in the Lord's hands in these things. We need not fear. We are to trust in the Lord. In fact, we already read where he said, do not let your heart be troubled. But at the same time, we want to be sober. We want to understand it's a fallen world. We want to understand that when the scripture says all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, that's true. But last Wednesday and last Sunday, we talked about the joys of suffering for Christ and suffering with Christ. And we want to remember that. Listen, let's not fear tribulation. Let's not fear persecution. There's a better option. You know, it's called fearing the Lord and knowing the Lord's going to go with you. And the Lord's never going to give any of us more than we can endure. He's always going to make that way of escape and then verse 10 and this is where we pick it up tonight then many will be offended will betray one another and will hate one another verse 11 then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many and because lawlessness lawlessness will abound the love of many will grow cold and we'll touch maybe on verse 13 we'll see if we get to this but he who endures to the end shall be saved Verse 14, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, then the end will come. And so let's remember in the midst of all of these things, God's calling us to, you know what, use discernment. He's calling us not to have our hearts be troubled. 
He's calling us to endurance. And indeed, listen, in Christ Jesus, he is going to help us to endure. Next week, Lord willing, we'll look at more practical aspects of endurance. But listen, more than, you know, I shouldn't say more than all that, but with that, and one of the main reasons we are here, and in my opinion, the thing that delays the coming of the Lord for his church more than anything else, he's long-suffering in his coming. Why? He doesn't want any to perish. He's wanting to see people get born again and saved. And so he wants us to be about the preaching of the good news of Jesus Christ in this time that we are in. Man, be praying for your unsaved friends. Be praying for your unsaved loved ones. Be praying for your unsaved enemies. Are you doing that tonight? If you haven't, or listen, you've gotten away from that, I want to encourage you tonight. Listen, the effective, fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much. And these people that don't know the Lord, they are in the darkness, and we have a place of intercession that God has called us to. To pray those blinders would come off their eyes. To pray there would be a response to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. To pray in the midst of all the things going on in the world, people would step back and begin to think, you know what, I wonder what the Bible says about these things going on today. You know, this sounds kind of like those end times, those Christians talk about. A lot of people are doing that. I, 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 just about every single week, I'm seeing at least one, if not multiple people, repent and come to the Lord Jesus Christ. And like a real like weeping and tears repentance type of thing, along with hands being raised and so forth, we're seeing a great increase of hunger for the Word of God. And that's exciting. Listen, that's God taking what the enemy has meant for evil and God using it for good. I was so reminded of that this uh, past week. Uh, a gal that grew up in our church and they moved away and uh you know they're still young it's still a young couple and she called me because they've strayed from the lord and she said pastor steve can i talk with you i need counsel and so forth and we began to talk and she said the other night i finally fell on my face and i just wept and i confessed my sin to the lord and i've come back to the lord and me and my husband are ready to serve god and listen part of the influence has been the things going on around us they recognize let's get right with god let's be walking with the lord and i said glory to god what the enemy is meant for evil god is using it for good right there in their lives and i see him doing that all over the place let's let the lord use this all for good these things going on around us to stir our hearts to be about the business of the preaching and the sharing of the gospel and listen at the minimum you're like, well, I'm, you know what, I'm frightened to go talk to people. I hope you're not frightened to get alone with Jesus in your prayer closet. Let's be praying, and then let's even pray not only for souls, but let's pray that the Lord would open doors for us. God would give us a boldness. God would even give us, you know what, a, a, a tact in sharing gospel tracts, sharing our testimony, like we talked about Sunday and Paul's conversion and how we'd share the testimony we need to be sharing the good news of, gospel, of the gospel of Christ with others. Can, I've, I've heard a few amens. Can we say collectively amen to that right now? Amen. That's good. Then verse 10, again, again, he's talking about being di- di- delivered up to tribulation and so forth. And again, we see much of that going on in the world today. He says, and then many will be offended. Now, listen, for years when I read this, I only saw it one way. I see it a little different way now, maybe an added way to it. You know, many will be offended. Really, in the first context, it means to be stumbled, to be entrapped, to be enticed to sin, 
It means to fall into apostasy. I'll come back to that here in a second. I've, I've, I've kind of grown in my viewpoint of this to almost be even more so now attitude, not just falling into apostasy or offended in the sense of stumbled into sin or maybe even exposed that they weren't ever a believer in the first place and led astray by one of these false teachers, false prophets, one of these devices. But I think really this also means the literal sense of how we use the word offended, you know, to be irritated, to annoy, to uh, be full of anger. Uh, it, it, it means to cause resentful displeasure. And it also means uh, to be offended, to violate or transgress one's moral law. And what do we see going on right now? There's a lot of individuals that are setting up their own moral law, their own code of Ethics and morality, for the most part, is completely immoral and completely unbiblical. And if you dare do not agree with what they say and what they have deemed as being right and upright and just and so forth, listen, they are grossly offended and you are the enemy of all enemies if you don't bend a knee to their ideology or what they have deemed to be upright, again, based on themselves, not based on the Word of God. We've talked about it a lot actually recently. Boy, there's people offended everywhere you look, are there not? I mean, offense is the, the, the big thing today. It's almost like, and it's sad because it seems like our, many of our youth have been raised, it's been almost bred into them, this mentality of victimhood, and if you can find, you know what, a cause that you stand for that is not being embraced by others and they reject that, you can take the stance of a victim as one who has been offended. And it seems that in that, then there's an embracing of self-righteousness. Because you do not agree with me, I am righteous. And in your persecution of me, it almost seems that they set themselves up as being right with God because they are persecuted because you are not agreeing, simply just not agreeing with their unbiblical stance on this, that, or the other. You know what? A lot of people call it social justice. Uh, it's called the social gospel. It's, uh, you know, twisted and it's put forth in many, many ways. And it's just all over the place. Uh, you know, it, and, and it just seems to be growing and abounding and getting more and more warped. And getting more and more antichrist. Uh, we were going down to San Luis yesterday, and you know we come around the the, the 101. We're going to the Costco, uh, low on groceries, going to the Costco there, and we come right around, and there's cops that just blocked off the highway. Uh, we must have been one of the first cars to get off ramp. And what's going on? There's a protest there, and listen, we're not going to deny that there's prejudice in the world, and and listen, there there's Everyone's got prejudice that you got to deal with. And if you say, I don't, you're a liar. We all got prejudice that we got to deal with. And we do know, listen, there, there, there's times where there's racist things that go on in our nation and so forth. But this group is out there, again, promoting their Black Lives Matters, which is a Marxist antichrist group to the core. Do Black Lives Matter? Absolutely. Do all lives matter? Absolutely. Do black babies' lives that get aborted in abortion mills matter? And listen, if their lives don't matter, then do any of these other lives matter at all? All these lives matter. But we see this group that, again, is Marxist. They're anti-family. 
They're against the family. And most of the issues or a lot of the issues we have in the world today is the breakdown of the family. They're pro-abortion. It's really a group that predominantly promotes homosexuality that is a sin against God. On and on and on and on. And they're running around out there, these poor deceived souls who God loves and cares for with a self-righteous cause. It's like a new religion has kind of been birthed. And the sad thing is you're seeing so many evangelical Christians that actually have real answers in the word of God, like we all come from one blood, there's only one race. How about we're all sinners and fall short of God's glory? How about whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved? How about there's no partiality with God? How about love the Lord God with your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and your neighbor despite the amount of melanin in their skin as yourself? How about forgiving as, you know what, God has forgiven you? On and on and on. You know what, the Bible even talks about, um, you know, when Nicodemus sinned. Listen, if, if you've sinned against someone and you need to restore something and make it right as an individual, the sin of the fathers is the sin of the fathers, the sin of the son is the sin of the sons. I got enough of my own sins. I don't need my dad's sins too. Then let's deal with that properly. And these are the answers, but you see so many ev- supposed evangelical Christians going along with this. Man, the Southern Baptist Convention is tanking right now, embracing all of this stuff, and it is a false gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ is found nowhere in that movement. And even just the name of that, it is really weaponizing language. That's what's going on there. So again, we see this great offense in the world based not on righteousness, but again, men's opinions and what they have deemed to be, you know, an offense. And it's just bursting all over the place. So many will be offended. Yeah, there's a lot of people that are offended today. Let's make sure for us when, when, when there are true injustices against us, that we respond in a biblical way. I gave you some scriptures there. In, uh, you're like, when we get to these scriptures, I gave you some scriptures, Matthew 6, 14, that speaks of forgiving others as you have been forgiven. If you're walking around with the victim's mentality tonight, you need to lay that down at the foot of the cross of Calvary. All of us deserve hell. Christ atoned for our sins and rose from the grave. What do I deserve? I deserve the wrath of God, but Jesus has forgiven me. Who am I not to forgive others? And I'll tell you this as well. When you don't forgive, you continue to be victimized by whoever harmed you over and over and over again. And you will never prosper in that place. You will never move ahead. That's where the enemy of your soul wants you to be. God wants you to walk in victory and in liberty. We also read there in Matthew 5, that we are to pray for our enemies. Listen, when you're oppressed by someone, when someone comes against you, when someone is offending you, the Lord has told us to pray for them. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. And then absolutely as well, and I just touched on this, we are called to walk in truth, not in the narrative of the day, not in doctrines of demons, not of the, in the philosophies of men. And you see a lot of the church, and we're going to get into false prophets here in a second. We've talked about false Christ. This also talks about false teachers. You see so much of the church today, and it's frightening, abandoning the truth of Scripture and embracing the latest, you know, philosophies of men with all of these things that are being rolled out. We better not do that. 
And listen, I'm going to tell you, if you stand in truth, this is where that line of persecution is going to start to get drawn. If you say, no, I'm not, I'm not, gonna, I'm not part of that, you're going to get some opposition. But we can't waffle in that. We've got to stand in the truth of God's word. Colossians 2.8, beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophies and empty deceit according to the traditions of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. Let's make sure we are walking in truth according to Christ, not the basic principles of a fallen world that is saying to God, get out of here, we don't want you. We don't want your word, we don't want your son, we don't want anything that you have to offer. We're coming into that time. Also, this word offended here again, it means to be stumbled and trapped, enticed to sin, apostasy. It is a picture of turning away from truth. It's a picture of turning away from faith in in Jesus Christ and it happening in droves. Really what it is, again, it is an enticement. It's an enticement to... To, to come to something other than God that's being put forth in the name of God that is not of God. It is also an enticement that the enemy puts out, you know, to be drawn to the sins of the world and to walk away from the Lord. Now, I believe, biblically, you can't lose your salvation if you are really born again. Listen, eternal life's eternal life, right? But the Bible speaks about people going out from us because they were never of us. And I think we are seeing a lot of that in the world. Now, maybe some of these people are prodigals, and the day will come when they are going to awaken in the pig pen and return to the Lord Jesus Christ like the prodigal son returned to his father. But we see this increasing, and it's really in many ways coming because the church hasn't been resolute and stout in teaching God's word and has waffled in so many ways, and it's allowed so much carnality to come into the church. Where things that are grossly, you know, unbiblical, there's exceptions being made for them. They're being put forth. And then with all the temptations in the world, you see people oftentimes in the church where they should be abounding. Instead, they're being taught how to live a lukewarm life, how to live an unholy life. And we're not talking about legalism here. We're not talking about looking down on others and self-righteousness. We're not talking about what we do to save us but just the embracement of the things of the world. Again, getting stumbled by false teaching, getting stumbled by sin. And then you see actually out in the world so many vices that stumble people, that trip people up in their walk with the Lord or maybe expose them of never really ever knowing the Lord. The abundance of pornography in the world today, just just so available. The abundance of pharmakita or Uh, pharmacia or drug abuse you know what and it used to be that was something where you had to go out on the corner man listen there's a lot of good doctors out there but the medical system in many ways it's just become an extension of big pharma promoting drugs and people becoming addicted to them and oftentimes those don't even cure people they just mask the symptoms because you see the commercial right and they say you know side effects may include and in some cases death and like, okay, well, you know, yeah, it might help me with this, but I think what you described here might be way worse than that. And then the nonstop entertainment and vices that we have that, that, you know, just capture people and so forth, it's just all over the place. And you see, 
you know what, and there, there are just so many examples of individuals walking away from their faith. Now, whether they had faith in the first place, I don't know. I don't, it's not my place to judge that. But people renouncing their faith, listen, it, it's, be, it's becoming an, an epidemic. I just saw this today. This is uh, dated, well, I guess it was a few days ago, July 17th. And the headline says, former editor of CCM Magazine comes out as gay, announces divorce. I'll just read it. Because this is, this is the type of stuff that's happening all over the place in Christianum. It says, Matthew Paul Turner, former editor of CCM Magazine, Contemporary Christian Music Magazine. It's a huge magazine. Just announced on Facebook that he is gay and divorcing his wife. Following a string of former Christians who renounced their faith or came out as gay. This is not shocking as the contemporary Christian scene is filled with apostates who are in it for nothing more than money and notoriety. That's, that's the writer's you know, opinion. And then he says, Turner writes, he's quoting this guy, Dear friends, I have difficult news to share. After much thought, prayer, and counsel, Jessica and I have made the decision to end our marriage. While we were best friends and, and thoroughly uh, and, th- and, thoroughly, and, and thoroughly love doing life, parenting, and pursuing our dreams together. Ending our marriage is necessarily, necessary because I'm gay. And he goes on to talk about how his wife's so happy for him and supporting them. You know, I won't give commentary on that. And then it says, of course, this only begs the question if Turner is a homosexual, craving the lust of the heart and rebelling against God and now divorcing his wife, an act that God hates, then what makes him think that this is the conclusion that he came, the conclusion he came to is from God, and he got it through prayer. And then it says, last year, purity pastor Josh Harris renounced his faith, divorcing his wife, and started marching in gay pride parades. Joshua Harris wrote the book. It was a bestseller, uh, in, I believe it was in the 90s, I Kissed Dating Goodbye, and it had a lot of legalistic aspects to it, but there was good things in it, and now he's denied his faith. And then it says, not too long after that, popular Hillsong worship leader Marty Simpson, or Sampson renounced his faith. Several other notable pop Christian stars renounced their faith in 2019 as well. And it seems like it's a common thing where these guys are renouncing their faith. That's what this is talking about. Many will be offended. Many will, leak, will, will be enticed by sin, false teaching, apostasy, and it won't be a thing. I got to struggle here. You know, it'd be one thing if this guy came out and said, you know what, I've had this struggle for years and it's wrong and I want counsel. We would say, bravo, brother. Listen, we are with you in this and I'm praying for the guy here, but it's an outright denying of the Lord and then even thinking that he has God's approval in this. Man, who is counseling you? They obviously are not using the word of God. They obviously do not care about your soul. They're obviously one of these false teachers or false prophets spoken here. Because this is not of the Lord. God does not want that for you. And yet this is an epidemic. It's just all over the place. It says that many will betray one another. Now listen, betrayal is an antichrist attribute. You know why? Because Jesus is loyal. Jesus remains faithful even when we are faithless. 2 Timothy 2.13. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 now May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then it says, he who calls you is faithful and also will do it. That's glorious. And then 2 Thessalonians 3, 3, but the Lord is faithful who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. 
Betrayal here also means a truce breaker. And Jesus is not that. And yet again, you see this on such a grand proportion today of people. And it kind of goes along with what we talked about with this offense mentality of individuals turning on others simply when they don't agree with them or they're no longer doing what they would have them to be doing. Where, you know, someone throws something up and they say, if you don't agree with this, I'm, def- I'm deleting you as a friend on Facebook. Dun, dun, dun. But don't you read that almost every day? Doesn't matter that we have a friendship. Doesn't matter that we went to school together. Doesn't matter that our kids played ball together. Doesn't matter that we barbecued that one time. Doesn't matter that we always, you know, like got along. Because you don't agree with me on this stance. And if you dare say anything, you're out of here. I'm cutting you out. That's a picture of betrayal. And here's the thing. If you feel that great about your cause and you really feel it's right, wouldn't you want to try to befriend people and try to convert them to your cause? As Christians, we're called to do that. Let's not behave that way. Jesus is the Lord, and if you don't agree with it, I'm deleting you right now off of my Facebook. Man, never. If you don't agree with it, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray you read some of the stuff I put up that's about the Lord that hopefully I'm putting up tactfully. Or how about this one? You know what, people never talking to relatives again or friends again or parents again or children again because they didn't vote like they voted. It's an epidemic. I talk to people all the time. Oh, my kid doesn't vote for me anymore because I voted for so-and-so. You can fill in the blank there. <laughs> Betrayal. Again, people, if, 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 if you differ with them, they're done with you. And here's the thing tonight. Listen, you need to know this tonight. If, if you're a born-again Christian and you love the Lord, you desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, hear this. If you're pro-life, are we pro-life here tonight? If you're, if you're pro-family, pro-biblical marriage, pro-borders as ordained by God in the book of Genesis, God scattered men when they came together. God's the one that set up borders. It doesn't mean that there aren't certain injustices in other nations that we need to be aware of. And it doesn't mean there aren't times when other countries need to try to intervene to correct those things. But God set up the borders. And he said, if I don't go down here and scatter these guys, the rebellion sky's the limit in it. It's a rebellion of man that wants to come together. And again, that's what's going to happen in the tribulation. We are one. We don't need you, God. In fact... As Nimrod went out to fight you on the plain of Shinar, we're going to go out to the valley of Jezreel, and we're going to fight you, and we're going to beat you this time. Wrong. That ain't going to happen. But if you're pro that, as ordained by God, and it says God even set up those borders. Why? Go read Acts. That men would grope for God versus saying, let's all come together and do a kumbaya circle and sing John Lennon because we don't need you, God. Listen, if you're pro, if a man can work, he should go and work, and if he doesn't, he don't eat. That's biblical. If you're pro-empowering people through jobs and against a welfare state, if you're pro there's one race, the human race, the sins of the father or the sins of the father, the sins of the son or the sins of the son, if you're pro Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the father except by him, you are going to, if you are pro those things, 
listen, you're going to get some hate your way, some persecution your way. There's going to be some betrayals. You might even be called a racist. Know who you really are, though. Because the problem right now is there are people, again, in Christianity that are abandoning truth because they don't want to be called that. Now, if you are that, repent, man. There's only one blood. Get educated in the word of God and in truth. Love thy neighbor as thyself. But if you are not, man, do not fall into that trap because, boy, I don't want to be called that. Jesus, Jesus was called all kinds of names. Have you read about it? Listen, we're adults here. They call him a bastard. They said he did what he did by Beelzebub. So they said he was of Satan. They called him all kinds of names. They said you're a drunkard because he ministered to sinners. The Lord never shrunk back from that. The early church were called cannibals and perverts because they called their meetings love feasts and they partook of communion in remembrance of the Lord's body broken and his blood shed. And they said, oh, they're a bunch of, they're a bunch of cannibals having an orgy over there. That was a lie. Do you understand the devil's the father of lies? So when he lies about you, do you say, oh, you know what? No, I'm not that. I'm going to do what you want me to do so you're not lying about me. No, you stand in truth. And you're not ashamed of the word of God. It also says here, men will hate one another. There's going to be a great amount of hate. And boy, it's all over the place today. And hedonism and a culture that's more and more godless, it produces hate. It doesn't produce biblical love selfishness and self-love which is abounding through the world it produces hate towards other because when you don't get your way instead of recognizing i don't always get my way the world doesn't revolve around me people have a tantrum and then they hate anybody who they think is standing and them getting their own way james 4 1 where do wars and fights come from among you do they not come from your desire for pleasure that wars in your members you lust you do not have, you murder and covet and cannot obtain, you fight in war, you do not have because you do not ask, you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your own pleasures. 1 Timothy 4.2 talks about a seared conscience, and then I'm not going to read it, but if you get into 2 Timothy 3, one is down to about verse 8. It talks about how there'll be perilous times in the last days, and it goes through the attributes of mankind. You know, it's not everybody, but in general in the last days, talking about lovers of self, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God. And then in verse 3, it says unloving. And, and the word there means without natural affection. And it's a reference to uh, uh, the sin of homosexuality, but listen, it's also a reference to being so selfish and having such a seared conscience that you can't love others. You lose the ability to do that because you're so wrapped up in yourself. And it produces a hate towards others. And it's abounding all over those places. And then people that, again, that place say, well, I don't, I don't love myself. No, you do love yourself. Otherwise, you wouldn't be so obsessed with yourself. You would be indifferent about, you know, at all the things maybe you don't like about yourself. I mean, I think we can all attest that hate is on the rise big time. Am I the only one seeing that? <laughs> it's all over the place. 
Let's make sure, again, we don't fall into that trap. Even as I talk about these things, listen, I'm keeping it real. We're talking about real things here tonight. You want to talk about real things and things in the headlines and things going on around us? You know, there's going to be some, there's going to be some sensitive things here that are being talked about. But I want to love these people. I want to share, if, I don't, if we don't share truth, we're not loving them. The truth sets you free. And don't mistake that. When we talk about these sins that are so prevalent today and even being used as weapons to come against Christianity, like Marxism, you know, the, the, these accusations of, of racisms and, you know, what, uh, of these types of things, I'm going to address those things, but I want to pray for these people. I'm no greater than they I was a sinner. I'm only saved by grace. I'm only saved by the work of the cross. But I needed people to deal with me in truths. And when I opened the word of God, it dealt with truths. And it, it shined a light on my sin. But I knew the Lord was doing that so that I could come to know him and get saved and born again. So let's not mix that up here. And when we talk about these things, let's not get a chip on our shoulder, all those horrible people and so forth. And you know, I saw some stuff on social media and, and, and that. The thing that went on yesterday, and they shut down the highway when we were going down there for that march, and you know, a window was broken, glass got over some little kid, and the, the gal leading up, this beautiful young girl leading the thing, and they, they have like 30 minutes of her Facebook, and she's flipping people off, and you know, Black Lives Matter, but she uses the N-word 150 times or something in her deal, like, okay, well, what's going on with that? And, and people saying, this piece of trash, and this and that, and listen, she's got like six charges against her. And, and, and rightfully so. Someone could have got killed in that. I mean, that family, I imagine, is traumatized in all of it. But I don't want to call her that. I want to have compassion on her. I want to pray for her soul. This is obviously someone who's passionate. Maybe she's like the, you know, Saul before he got saved, resisting the Holy Spirit. Who knows what she was raised in in her home? She might have had some mom or grandma or dad who raised her in the Lord, and now she's off here in college and embracing all this stuff. I don't want to just call her a name. I want to pray that she'll get born again and saved and set free, and all those other kids, most of them white out there on the highway, will get born again and saved as well. I had to throw that in there. So Most of the black folks are going like, oh my goodness, what are you doing here? What in the world? Anyhow. We got a few more minutes. I, I don't think we'll we'll get past verse eleven, but it says that many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And we already again in verse four talked about false Christ. And take heed that no one deceives you. False prophets. A false a prophet's you know it, it, it's 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 one of two things. It is someone claiming to speak for God. We should pray that we would prophesy, which is speaking God's word and power. We're told to pray that we, that, that we would prophesy in 1 Corinthians. Prophecy also is, you know what, predicting the future. You know, prophesying what will come about. But here's the deal. If you read Deuteronomy 13 or Deuteronomy 18, in Deuteronomy 13, in verse 1 it says that there arises a, among you a prophet or dreamer of dreams, and he gives you a sign or wonder, and the sign of wonder comes to pass of which he spoke to you, saying... Let us go after other gods that you have not known and let us serve them. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord is testing you whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. So this would be someone that would even, again, bring forth a sign or wonder and it looked legit. But their theology is unbiblical. 
let's go after another God. He said, you don't listen to him, and you need to know that God is testing you. So many times with false prophets, false teachers, you know, all those people, those false teachers leading these people astray, but the people themselves are being tested. Do they have a hunger for truth? Listen, Jesus at one point had to turn the crowds away because he said, you're only here because I fed you yesterday loaves and fishes. You're not here because I'm calling you to repent. You're here for a meal. And that's when he dropped on him, unless you eat of my flesh and you drink of my blood, you won't be saved. He wasn't literally talking about eating his body. He wasn't promoting cannibalism there. He was talking about, you need to embrace me and put faith in me. And even in that text, he talks about he's speaking in spiritual terms. And so if someone comes along again and is tickling the air, God's testing us. What are we looking for? Are we looking to be followers of Christ and a people set apart for Jesus? Or someone just to tell us what we want to hear, even if it's unbiblical, because if it's, you know, packaged in a Christian wrapper, then I can feel good about being in rebellion. Also, obviously, false prophets that predict the future. And in Deuteronomy 18.22, it says, When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, and if the thing does not happen or come to pass, uh, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken. That prophet has spoken uh, presumptuously. You shall not be afraid of them. And yet these types of false prophets are all over. There's a group back in the Midwest. They call themselves the Kansas City Prophets. And they say if you're 60% right, you're a prophet of God. <laughs> Wait a minute. So God only knows 60% of the time. Like you're saying I hear from God. God's telling me this is going to happen. But you know God is a guessing game for God. I mean, dude, just, just shut it down. You're not a prophet, man. No, there's no shame in repenting. Own up to it. But again, oftentimes the following is because so oftentimes the prophecies are tell me what I want to hear. I'm going to be the next this or that or the other. And that's what it almost always it comes down to. We're going to tell you what you want to hear because it's all the more you're going to like us and we'll make disciples of ourselves. And then again, he says, many false prophets will rise up, and this is the thing, deceive many. We just talked about many being offended, and in part it's because many are deceived by false teachers, false Christ, which Christ means anointed, false prophets. And there in 2 Timothy 4.1, it even talks about the time coming when there won't be an endurance of sound doctrine, and in the next, in, in verse 13, we're called to endure. It says, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they're going to heap up for themselves teachers and turn their ears away from truth and be turned aside to fables. So we don't want truth. We want people to tell us what we want to hear that comfort us in our carnal pursuits, tell us lies. And it's abounding all over the place. He says, but you be watchful in all things. Again, endure afflictions. If you're going to walk in truth, there's going to be some afflictions. But better to walk with Jesus in some afflictions than follow false prophets. Do the work of an evangelist. We talked about that tonight. And fulfill your ministry. That's what we want to be doing. And we want to be doing it again in love. Listen, there's been a lot of, you know, there, there's a lot of, garbage out there again a few weeks back it was our second study here 
I went through a whole list there. It's in the Matthew 24, 4 through 8, part 1 of just so much stuff that has just gotten to the church. And there's a lot of people that have read that stuff and listened to that stuff. That's not necessarily a comment on you. But when these things are pointed out, listen, I encourage you to go and test these things. And then if it's not of the Lord, put it down and follow him. These things are testing us. A little couple more minutes, verse 12. And because lawlessness abound, the love of many will grow cold. Anyone see lawlessness abounding around us? Defund the police? Let's get rid of the law. And it's not to say, listen, it's not to say that, that, that there aren't, you know what, certain circumstances. I've heard a lot about that police department in Minneapolis that, that there was a lot of corruption in it. So let's not go so far over here. Listen, if there needs to be more training, if there needs to be more accountability, we should all say, yeah. But the idea of getting ready to the police department. I saw a guy the other day, he went into Harlem. It is, it is the considered the blackest you know, uh, city in America. And they went on the street and he was asking, what do you think about getting in the police? They're like, don't do that. <laughs> What's going to happen if you do that? They're, they're, they're like, there's going to be chaos. What kind of relationship does the community have with the police department? They have a great relationship. But you see again from this rebellion, which I think it's ty- a, a part of the judgment of God. Oh, the judgment of God might come. In many ways, there's a judgment of God here. And this, we don't want law. We want to do things our own way. And again, you see it. Jesus said these days will be like the days of Lot. We don't want the law of God. We want to do as we will. You see this embracing of, of again, abortion. It's legalized murder. That's legalized murder. That's a life. And but... So many people have gotten so hard-hearted and carnal that, oh, you know, that's not a life. That's a life. Now, praise God, that's a sin God forgives. And he'll forgive that sin tonight. And God will minister to that heart and bring restoration. That's who our God is. The enemy, though, he's a killer. And then a casting off of integrity and humility and decency and so much evil entertainment, lawless entertainment that produces lawless actions. It's all around. And listen, it's a casting off of restraints. It causes love for truth to go cold, love for God to grow cold, love for others to grow cold or to wax cold. But it's more than a casting off of restraints. You know what it is? It's a casting off of conviction. We don't want the law because the law tells us we're transgressors of the law and it convicts us. It shines a light on the fact that there is a God and we are not right with Him. And we want to do what we want to do with a clear conscience. We want to sin in a place where we are, again, feeling good about doing it. Galatians 3.23. But before, before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law and kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under the tutor. The law shows us we're sinners. The law of God shows us we're sinners. The Ten Commandments. Our law is very much like those Ten Commandments given from God. That was part of the foundation of this country. People want to cast that off because they're saying, we don't want Christ. We don't want to be convicted. We don't want that tutor around here. We want to do what we want. 
And it's led to a hardening of heart in so many. Again, that loss of natural affection, the searing of the conscience, a reprobate mind. And listen, this is going to usher out the restraining hand of God and it's going to usher in the Antichrist. That's what we're rapidly headed towards. Second, Second Thessalonians 2, 6. And now you know what's restraining that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Now he who restrains will do so until he's taken out of the way. Then the lawless one will be revealed. The lawless one's the Antichrist. And what's being said here is the time's going to come when God's going to remove his restraining hand. The world's saying, we don't want law. We don't want the law of God. We don't want some authority telling us what, we, what to do. We will do as we will. That's the motto of Satanism, just so you know if you don't know that. We'll do as we will. And eventually you keep pushing against God. He'll give you over. Fine, I'll move my hand of restraint. You think this world's crazy right now? God is restraining so many things. God has restrained all of us from so many things. Thank you, Jesus. Please restrain me, Holy Spirit. Him moving his hand. And then the lawless one will be ushered in. It says, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming, but that will be a glorious day. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusions that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness and and these things are abounding and again god's giving you know you see it you're like what in the world where are they getting this from it's like they're delusional i really see god giving people over more and more to strong delusions just stuff that even a few years back like no what are you where are you getting this from you got to be delusional to believe this and yet it's being believed and being promoted. Delusional. I was born in the wrong body. You're delusional. Well, my child was born in the wrong body, so we're going to you know, try to rectify it. You're sinning against God. That's child abuse, man. You're delusional. You're going to destroy that kid's life. You know what the suicide rate is among people that go this route? It's through the roof. And if you think for a moment it's because society doesn't accept them, that's a lie. It's because they're having this lie reinforced in their life. But again, the enemy twists truth. And then we'll get into this, Lord willing, next week. But he who endures to the end will be saved. Now listen to Jude 24. Now him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Do you know the Lord tonight? Can you say amen to that? That he is able to keep you from stumbling. 2 Timothy 4.18, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Are you in the Lord tonight? Can you say amen to that? Then the Lord will deliver you. The Lord will preserve you. And when his own get out of line, he corrects us. He leaves the 99. He goes after us. And this is again where there's a line of separation between in my theological opinion, people that never knew him in the first place, and then 
I think there's probably a lot of prodigals. I was one at one point. People say, that guy, that guy was never saved. Well, I was. And I drifted far from the Lord. And eventually, listen, eventually you recognize, man, it's better at my father's house. What am I doing here? There's death and disease and despair over here. Oh, Jesus. And the beautiful thing is you can be a million, million steps away, like way over here by that far tree. And you know how many steps is back to the Lord? It's, it's, just, it's just one. Here I am, Lord. And, and, and maybe you have people at home, I just left. I'm still here, though. Maybe that's you. Come back to him tonight. Man, if you're not getting serious about the Lord right now, what's it going to take? What's it going to take? Well, listen, we'll stop there. We have a few minutes. The road's getting rowdy out there, it sounds like. Anyone got any questions tonight? We'll, we'll got, got a few minutes to have a few questions, and then uh, we'll close things up. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a question statement of just just a, a concern for our children, and what you know the what's out there right now, and you know it is true. You know the we look for the Lord, but if if the Lord tarries is coming, he tarries and he you know maybe comes in twenty thirty years. What's this country going to look like for our children? Now listen, let's be comforted, and the Lord told, has told us not to fear. God has given us the, the, the weapon of prayer. And we need to know this too. Look at, I, I got four kids moving into adulthood, really. And I pray for them all the time, but I also know this, that if the Lord tarries in His coming, and, and they grew up, or they raised their kids, or whatever, enter into a, a whole different regime, God's going to see them through. God's going to be faithful to them. And I, I look, look, look at, go read the book of Daniel. Daniel was in captivity. And yet he flourished as he sought the Lord. Look at Joseph thrown into slavery and he flourished as he sought the Lord. Listen, folks, this isn't at the end of Christianity. The gates of hell, they're not going to prevail. And let's remember that. Listen, you, you don't, I pray for our country. We have many wonderful things here that we need to be thankful of for and so forth. But the key to joy in life is not capitalism, it's the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I believe that's a gift, and if, if, if it's embraced properly and God's honored in it, but let's remember that God's going to be faithful to our kids. Again, we saw a few weeks ago the psalmist saying, he has not seen the sons of the righteous begging bread. So if that's encouraging, let's be encouraged to pray, and let's remember God's not panicking. But at the same time, I appreciate you're being sober about it. Let's pray for our country. Let's pray for our children. We really need to be. Thank you for that. Appropriate baby. Amen. Amen. Two of them. Yeah. Yeah. So the question was, uh, we read there in Second Thessalonians about he who restrains will restrain until he's taken out of the way. You know, there's obviously a lot of thoughts on that. I, I would lean, I, I would lean towards that. Obviously, God's the restrainer. Uh, you know, Abimelech uh, boasted that he didn't lay a hand on Sarah, Abraham's wife. I didn't lay a hand on her. Remember when Abraham said, it's my sister, because he thought bad things would happen. 
whole other sermon for another time. And God said, I restrain you from doing that, buddy. You don't play that self-righteous card with God. I restrain you. So obviously God restrains us. Now I know there's a belief that that is the Lord working through the church. Because we're called to be salt and light. And salt restrains rot. It slows down the rot rate. And I think that, that, that that's a, you know what, there's a strong case made for that, that the, the restrainers, the Holy Spirit working through the church, the remnant of true believers, and when, when they're taken out of the way, it, you know, in, in, a, in a rapture, a pre-tribulation rapture is the thought behind that, then again, the world's given over to, to all of this. I've heard other people say they think the restrainer is the law, because it's the lawless one, but... I don't know, I, I, I kind of think that's a weaker argument because men are already transgressing the law. So um, I do know this, that if you do a study on God's restraining hand, it comes up throughout the scripture. And it may just be a thing of God like with Pharaoh, where Pharaoh, you know, hardened his heart. Then it says God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And God came to the place, so I'm done restraining you. I'm going to give you over to it. So... It is true as believers, we're to be looking for the coming of the Lord every day, and, and we know we're in his hands, and we should be in a place where we're walking in truth and love and representing truth and standing for truth, and in that, absolutely, the Lord works through the church to slow this stuff down to help restrain it. So, you know, just a few thoughts on that. Um, there's some of this stuff we can't be overly dogmatic on, we don't know, but Again, I see in the scripture, God is, is the, I know he's restraining me from all kinds of stuff, <laughs> all kinds of things all the time. And my wife helps with that too, but yeah. Yeah, Frank. Sure. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Right. So the question was, it had to do with politics and a Christian's role in that. Um, you know, the Lord told us to occupy until, until he comes. And, you know, we're definitely privileged to be in a country where, you know, this is to be a government uh, by the people and for the people. And we got to remember that. We got to remember that even when, and I'll get to that in a second, but when we got a governor that is, that is putting forth guidance that goes against the Constitution, and people are like, oh, I got a bend knee to this, Romans 13. Wait a minute, he needs to bend knee to the Constitution of the United States. Don't get it wrong there. I thought I had to get something in there like that tonight. But as far as us being evolved, I think absolutely we should. I, you know what? I think we need to be careful not to put our faith in politics. Um, I think there's a lot of people that, you know what, if, if, if Trump loses in the fall they're going to be des devastated and he might he's got a lot of issues he's done a lot of good things i pray for the man every day but put your faith in jesus christ not over any party but absolutely i believe biblically we got a responsibility to be active to be involved uh you know what uh, i i think the more christians that even run run you know uh, uh, for for a uh, uh 
you know, a political uh, seed or whatever to want to honor God, man, be prayed up and pray for them because there's a lot of corruption. But again, we're to occupy until he comes. And if all of us just said we're not going to vote for any of these things, we're not going to take a stand, then what impact are we going to make? Because really they say of evangelical Christians, though, that's, that term's changed a lot. But Bible-believing Christians, even right now, if we all went out and, and voted as best we could biblically, every election would be dictated by Bible-believing Christians. So uh, I think with each election, that's, that's you know, probably less and less the case because there's such an apostasy happening. But I encourage people to vote, to, be, to know. I mean, we're doing more here, and, and we have some ministries actually that are, that are kind of getting launched to, to let people know more about, uh, especially stuff in California that's trying to get snuck in, a lot of education stuff. Uh, so forth, and I, I would say absolutely, let's be responsible in that, and again, especially in concern of our children and so forth, so I think there's a balance in it, we don't put our hope in those things, but we absolutely need to be prayed up, we need to vote with a, a, a biblical conscience, I mean, I didn't get when Obama ran, Christians voting for him, that saying they're evangelical, when this guy was in the Senate, he said if a baby survives an abortion, leave him to die, and, well, you know, for these various reasons, it's like, that's, to me, my conviction is, I don't care about the color of anyone's skin, and maybe you're a racist if you feel you got to vote for someone because of the color of the skin. Look at this policy. And on top of that, this guy did nothing for, for blacks. It was all about a gay agenda. I had to get that in there tonight, too. So, I, I got some opinions. Uh, that's my opinion. Maybe you got a different one, but listen, the record speaks for itself. And I prayed for that man, and I still pray for him. I prayed for that guy for eight, eight years straight. Pray for his salvation. Pray God would lead his hand and so forth, just like with Trump, praying for him all the time, praying for Gavin Newsom. Every day I pray the fear of God will fall upon that man and will fall on his knees. And I look at it like, oh, he's mighty over there in Sacramento. You're a guy, and I'm a guy, and I'm a guy that knows God, and I'm praying for you. And if you're watching, you hear this, I'm praying for your soul. You need to repent. So we need to take up that mentality. And so hopefully that helps, you know, again, test what I'm saying by the scriptures. Um, you know, I, I could be opinionated in these things, but I think that's a biblical answer. So maybe one or two more. Yeah. Right. So the question was uh, with the scripture speaking of famines and just the upheaval in the world, the thought of, you know, a commune, uh, you know, sharing resources and so forth. Um, listen, I think we should be sharing resources already. You know, we're called to do that as the body of Christ. Um, I think practically we need to look at the Proverbs and, you know, what it talks about preparation I think the main thing with that is that our first faith is in Jesus. But I think I mentioned it Sunday, you know, in, in, in Acts and, and just with these things going on, that we need to be moving more, I think, in that direction of really caring for one another. We do have a call as Christians to care for our brothers in the Lord first. 
just so you know that. That's throughout the word of God. And I do believe that the time, you know, it could be coming where, especially if our nation falls into a depression, because you can only print so much money um, and, and all kinds of bad things come out of that, that, that we do need to be in a place where we're ready to, you know, share resources and be there for one another. And, and the, the flesh wants to hoard stuff for ourselves. And what we want to do in, in what we have and, 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 you know, who knows what the Lord has, but just if, if these things continue as a fellowship, I know that our, our leadership, we're in talks of things along these lines. I mean, we just bought four uh, 20 by 40 tents in part to prep for winter if we have to meet outside and do church. But also in the mind of, of the breakdown of culture, if you have to set up tents to live in and so forth, and... Um, I know this, that if you cast your, wa- your bread on seven waters, it will return to you. And that idea of I'm going to love my brother, my Christian brother, I'm going to minister to them. Um, that's the most secure thing to do versus I'm going to get it all over here and hoard it all. And, you know, in early in Acts, there wasn't a lot of resources. And they took what they had and they brought it together. So, um, listen, we've kind of already started touching on that. I think I, it's a great question. And, and we're, we're probably going to be talking more about those types of things as a church and Try to practically get more equipped and together. And I know some folks here know a lot more about a lot of this stuff than me. And, you know, uh, we'll, we'll see. And I think it's a, th- those opportunities to love each other more, more importantly, and to minister to each other. And so I'm, I'm all for that uh, when it's healthy and it's done right and when the emphasis is on the Lord Jesus Christ and the gospel. And it's, I, I'm, I'm against, though, the call of let's all pack up and move out to the desert, desert and whatnot. I don't see that. If, if you're being called to go, then go. But if you're running away, dude, we're called to be courageous. We're, we're called to pray for this community. I'm, I want to see, I'm, I'm all for Revive California, not to flee to Timbuktu or wherever else, you know, to hide in a hole somewhere. God didn't call me to that. I, and, and I believe where you're at is the best, that's the safer place anyway. And uh, so, and Proverbs even speaks about, you know, the security of a, of a friend nearby. And I try to caution people when they get the mentality, I'm just going to bug out and go out here. Look, you might get away from everything, but practically there's more value of having Christian brothers and sisters that are like your family nearby. And so that's something we need to all ask God to help us to grow in, love for him, love for one another. And again, that steps of faith of sharing with one another. And hopefully, hopefully we're growing in that. I hope we are, and, and we need help because generally we're raised as stingy Americans and you know, and, and, and you know, there's a lot of generous people, but again, it's a materialistic culture in a lot of ways. We're indoctrinated in it, and I've seen a lot of it. I'll tell you what, I've seen a lot of sharing. It's been beautiful over the last few months. A lot of people have given gifts where they come in and they say, here's $500, find this for someone who has a need. Don't tell them where it came from. One guy, here's $1,500, find it for people in need. That happens on a regular basis in this fellowship, and it's beautiful. And, uh, you know, other people bring eggs and all kinds of stuff, and, and it's just good. So um, that's a great question, and we'll, we'll stop on that because the, the children are getting restless. Your kids are getting restless over there. And just look at, ho- hopefully tonight you're encouraged. Again, we're not looking at these things to kind of leave here with fear and a dread. We've put a lot of emphasis on Christ tonight, on God's faithfulness, on God's goodness, on the gospel of Jesus Christ be encouraged tonight. Are you encouraged tonight? Can you say amen to that?
But we also want to be realists. Uh, again, the Lord wasn't panicking. He wasn't, oh, guys, oh, why did you ask that question? Oh, no, oh, no. No, he didn't do that at all. So our God is good. Lord, we thank you and praise you. We thank you for our time here. Lord, we're praying for our country. We're praying for our community. Lord, we pray you bless all those, those kids that were down there on the highway the other night. We pray for their salvation, God. Lord, you love every last one of them. Open their eyes and hearts to the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray that tonight, if there's any here, Lord, any watching that don't know you, Lord, we've talked about the gospel here. We're sinners. You're the Savior. Oh, Lord God, I pray they call on the Lord. As your word says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We bless you. We praise you. We pray these things tonight in Jesus' name. We said together, amen. God bless you.